Welcome to episode 32 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church for Christ Church. Uh, we are a church plant in Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm sitting here with my two friends, uh, Gabriel Williams and Ross Hodges. And uh, today we are discussing the bad news of the Bible. Uh, a lot of people don't like to talk about uh, the bad news. Uh, they like to uh, talk uh, only about the good news. But how do we know the news is good if there's not also bad, bad news? news. Mm. Uh, it's interesting in uh, an interview that's become a bit epic in reform circles between our friend Mike Horton and uh, Robert Schuler, who was the, the pastor of the Crystal Cathedral in Los Angeles for, I think, a couple of decades. Uh, they have this epic interview where Robert Schuler actually got up and walked out. Uh, the conversation essentially was Mike pushing uh, Dr. Schuler on why he does not preach against sin and why he does not preach uh, the doctrine of hell and why there is uh, only this power of positive thinking, this kind of repackaged Norman Vincent Peale in his okay. sermons. and. Uh, after Mike had read some passages to him about what the Bible says people need to hear, uh, he responded in this way. And so if you preach that text, Mike, oh man, I sure hope you give it the kind of interpretation that I do, or I'll tell you, you'll drive them farther away, and they'll be madder than hell at you, and they'll turn the Bible off, and they'll switch you off, and they'll turn on the rock music and Madonna. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean you should preach it. And if you do, you have to say, who's listening to me? Will they understand? And will the love of Jesus come through my words and through my message, through my personality? Will it come through my spirit? Will I come across as a humble person or will I come across as a person who's kind of a mean know-it-all? I've got the answers and when people like Schuler come along, they're heretics. Be careful. It's so difficult to preach some of those texts and not come across as lacking humility. Mm. Wow, a lot there. And uh, perhaps back in the early 90s, there were fewer churches that were preaching a kind of therapeutic gospel mm -hmm. that's being preached in such a widespread way today. Yeah, I mean, it's if you go into a Christian bookstore um, or even a place like Barnes & Noble and you go to the, uh, the, the religion section, um, Pretty much the only sort of things you're going to see in either one of those places, uh, not the only thing, that's overstating it, but you're going to see a lot of Joel Osteen, um, Joyce Meyer, and, and folks like that, T.D. Jakes, and the message that you get from these people is quite often only about how to basically use God as a vending machine to put in the right sort of prayer or whatever. And, and have your best life now, according to Osteen, or to have health, wealth, and prosperity. There's no bad news at all. It's all, this is what God is going to do for you. Or it's therapy, uh, how you can uh, be a better parent, yes. uh, how you can be well-adjusted after having a, a difficult childhood, mm -hmm. or uh, a lot of these psychological categories where yeah. the, the idea is we want to help people in their life now without a consideration of uh, eternity. Mm -hmm. And the question is, when Jesus came, uh, the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, was his message always positive? Did he only speak about heaven? And did he 
never broached the, uh, the subject of sin. Uh, what do we know about the message of Christ? First thing you hear Christ speaking is repent for the kingdom of heaven, of heaven is at hand. So that's one of the first things that comes out of Christ's mouth. So if there's nothing wrong with you, then repent is you know, a meaningless word. Yeah. Repent assumes there was something deeply flawed and sinful about you yes. and perhaps people around you. What we also hear from Jesus is a, we wouldn't say overemphasis, but it's a clear emphasis that there is judgment and there is a place called hell. It's a place where Jesus describes it's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is outer darkness. It is a place of extreme suffering in the parable of Lazarus, etc. It's Jesus himself is the one who gives us these vivid descriptions of hell. It is not just Paul and the apostles. It is Jesus himself. So in a sense, the apostles are basically repeating Jesus in this point. So it's not Jesus versus the Old Testament apostles. It's Jesus confirming the Old Testament and the apostles preaching Jesus and the Old Testament. Yeah, what's perhaps the most famous Bible verse in the New Testament? Everybody loves John three sixteen, and <laughs> uh, they and people who would want to promote uh, what we would consider a very sort of truncated uh, gospel uh, of just good news, just sort of happiness and sunshine and heaven and puppies. Um, that <laughs> it's they they love to quote John three sixteen because God is a God of love and He's only going to do loving things. But when you read John three sixteen, you need to keep reading, and uh, so we read. In John chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that is great news. That is the best news. Jesus continues, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The message there is a message of salvation and judgment. Mm -hmm. It is one or the other. There is a judgment there and you are destined for that judgment if you do not uh, cling to Christ by faith. And everywhere in the Word of God we have salvation and judgment mm -hmm. being held up side by side. Yes. Amen. Think about it. Uh, the flood? Well, let's go to the garden after mm -hmm. the fall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, God speaks this, this promise and this curse. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. directly after the fall. Uh, then we have the flood. Yeah. There is judgment upon the world and salvation for Noah and his family. Yes. Uh, how about the Exodus? Salvation and judgment. Salvation mm -hmm. and judgment. There is judgment for Egypt, mm -hmm. for Pharaoh, and there is salvation for God's covenant people, Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 19. Uh, there is judgment for that city. There is salvation for Lot and for his family. Mm -hmm. Uh, we can go on and on yes. as, as we uh, look at the New Testament. We have uh, over and over and over again this, uh, these clear distinctives of those who are in Christ and who are saved from God's wrath and judgment and those who are outside of Christ and still remain in their sin and thus are under God's wrath and judgment mm -hmm. in the preaching of the word at the Lord's table in baptism yes uh, we over and over again we have these two themes side by side and we need the bad news to make the good news make sense don't yes we? yeah well, the the message of the Bible is that every person in this world because of sin because of original sin starts off in a bad place starts off in a place of judgment you know we 
we make the mistake of asking people, do you have a relationship with God? And that's a bad question because everybody has a relationship with God. It's just whether or not that relationship is one of animosity and judgment or one of love and blessing. And, um, and, and everyone is in relationship to God naturally in enmity, at enmity with God and uh, in, in a place of deserving God's just wrath. And you have to understand that before you can understand the answer to that problem, mm -hmm. which is the good news of the gospel. Yeah, so why would a typical unchurched person who really had no connections, were very secular, and you walked up and said, Jesus loves you and he died for you, why would that make any <laughs> difference to them at all? It wouldn't. And there's a kind of a joke of evangelists, you know, an evangelist walks up to a sinner and says, God has a good plan for you. And the sinner says, Good, I have a great plan for myself as well. <laughs> and that's the reality of the message, is that you're not telling me anything I don't expect or know of myself at this point. Yeah. That God has a great plan, I have a great plan, hopefully those plans match up. And if you tell the person that you just need to do some religious acts to make your plan work, you're just saying, good, God can come alongside of me and I can work out my own good plan. And the bad news is really bad. Very bad. It's, it's very bad. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's not, it's much worse mm -hmm. than what a lot of modern day uh, pastors and authors mm -hmm. are oh, saying. Oh, yeah. Because what they're saying, the bad news is, is that you don't have enough money in your bank account. Mm -hmm. uh, their bad news is that uh, you, you, uh, you could be healthier, but you're not mm -hmm. because you don't have enough faith. Yeah. That's their bad news. You don't have all the good things in this life that you could. You don't mm -hmm. have all the good things in this life that you could. That's the bad news. And the good news is that God wants to give you all of that. And he wants to give you good health. And he wants to fill up your bank account. He wants to give you uh, everything your heart desires. But you see, both of those messages, what they say is the bad news and what they say is the good news, is all skewed. Mm -hmm. It is a skewed version. In fact, it's not biblical Christianity at all. The bad news is much worse than people are often saying or thinking, and the yes. good news is actually much, much better yes. than, than what they are saying or thinking. I think of Romans 5.1 when thinking about the salvation judgment. It speaks about having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's marvelous news there about justification. Yes. There's marvelous news about peace, but ask the more obvious question. If you have now had peace of God, what were you before justification? And so when we think of peace, we think of that Hebrew word shalom, which means wholeness. So the opposite of that is outright hostility. You think of yes. war mentality. Mm -hmm. You think of a war metaphor. Yes. That when two nations are at peace, it doesn't just mean that they have a ceasefire. It means the relationship is completely whole. That's the great news. Before that happens, there is war and hostility. And the analogy now comes to the individual that before justification has occurred, before the marvelous gift of Christ, you can say in very real terms that there's a war going on between you and God. And the reality is that you're fighting against God Himself. You're gonna the, lose. the one who breathes and the mountains move. You were talking about that God. And to have to be at war with that God means that not only are you at enmity against him, he is now at enmity against you. Mm -hmm. And now you are the sinner in the hands of a God who can rip apart every part of your body and can plunge your soul 
into hell. So we, we you know, I think all of us in high school read or at least heard Jonathan Edwards' Sinners in the Hands of the Angry God before. Mm -hmm. And typically we tend to think of that purely in terms of just good literature. But that is actually meant to be a convicting sermon. So bad news. <laughs> it's horrible news. news. But that makes the good news Even all better. that much more meaningful. Mm -hmm. Makes it understandable. Mm -hmm. and, and understandable. Just in the first because place. you mentioned uh, uh, in our sin, God would take us and tear us apart and plunge mm -hmm. us into hell mm -hmm. apart from uh, some a Savior, Amen. apart yeah. from help. Mm -hmm. And the good news, the news that's better than anything we've ever heard, is that Christ went to the cross and was torn apart. Mm -hmm. That he went to the cross and his soul went through hell mm -hmm. for us. Yes. It's, mm -hmm. it's why he cried out, uh, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. uh, the father turned his face away from his son and poured his, his wrath and indignation and condemnation and curse upon his beloved son for us and mm -hmm. you know getting an extra paycheck next month is that is that good news compared to this I mean it's, it's just it's <laughs> ridiculous how yeah. it's so ridiculous how we have have lowered the standard and made it all about having your best life now which by the way is such a nonsense yes. anyway because who if you're gonna go to heaven why would this be your best life anyway <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so we we need to understand, I think, as we hear the preaching, as we come to the table, as we come to the font of baptism, uh, that in each of these places, judgment and salvation is being clearly communicated if it is biblical, mm. if it's being biblically communicated. That's Amen. right. And it, it shows us why the pattern of Scripture, uh, we see especially in, in the New Testament epistles, why so often the uh, the apostles, or you know, I'm thinking of Paul in particular in places like Romans or Ephesians, spends uh, so much time laying out the, the, the nature of the case, which is bad news, mm -hmm. is that you are lost, you are dead, you are, you, know, you are at enmity with God, mm -hmm. because you have to have that context before you can get to the gospel and understand it. Yeah, Romans 1.18 through chapter 3 verse 20 is all bad news. Yes. Mm -hmm. All clearly laying out and enumerating uh, the universal depravity of mankind, both Jews and Gentiles, mm -hmm. all of our mouths being stopped in the mm -hmm. presence of a holy God. Mm -hmm. But then after chapter 3 and verse 20, we have the marvelous news of the gospel being explicated uh, all the way through uh, chapter 11. Mm -hmm. And it's marvelous. And then chapters 12 through 16 of Romans, we are being taught how to live the Christian life in the light of that glorious gospel Amen. by grace through faith. Uh, so these 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 things are so important because sometimes people can come in if they were in a uh, a broadly evangelical church where there's kind of a a very light and um, easy breezy kind of message and they come in say to a reformed church yeah and they start hearing about repentance mm -hmm. sin hell judgment and then hear the gospel being proclaimed mm -hmm. in the light of that. You know, they may come away from that little, like, almost shell-shocked. Yeah. In a sense, it's shell-shocked, but one of the things I think it's good to keep in mind is that when people are not, say, in that sort of environment, they can just observe the true nature of the world. So 
Proverbs speaks about the way the transgressor being hard. When you are in this world, you, it's not just a situation where we're just making up that people are as bad as they are. All we have to do is to look at history. So one of the things I am a huge fan of is studying 20th century history. Because this is 20th century is the history of war. Yes. yes. And you cannot look at the 20th century in terms of what actually happened in the millions of people who died and the gross evil that occurred throughout the world mm -hmm. and come to the conclusion that my biggest problem is that I'm not as wealthy as I should be. That's not the conclusion you will come to <laughs> if you lived any time during all of those wars. Yes. Or if you just read upon it. And then there's the more, that's the abstract outside argument, but then there's the internal argument. It's one thing to say that there's evil outside and you know there's all this evil around me. That's nothing to say that I can look at myself from say teenage years up and see I'm a man that has gross sin. Yes. And I may be hiding it from others. I may be trying to disguise it. I may try to have a therapeutic way to kind of deal with it. But the reality is that when a person's sober, when a person is clear thinking, they see their sin. And that comes out oftentimes yes. on deathbeds where people who have not known Christ on their deathbed will realize that when they are about to die, they're about to pass to worlds unknown and realize you have no idea what's going to happen mm -hmm. and what you expect is judgment. You don't want that to happen. You don't want that to be your reality. But the reality is that when you look at yourself, if there's no savior and you consider all that you've done in your life, all that you should expect is judgment. And the person who's thinking rightly understands that. That's why the gospel is marvelous. Mm. So when you bring people into this environment where you say sin isn't that bad, you're basically numbing the effects of the conscience by saying yes. your sin is not that bad. You can make it in, just kind of keep doing what you're doing. The reality is that the one of the chief purposes of the Holy Spirit is to convict people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Yes. And when you blunt that activity, you are blunting the actual marvelous grace of the gospel. Amen. Amen. So we, we have to have the bad news mm -hmm. in order to understand the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. No power of positive thinking is going to change the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. So we have to have the bad news so that we can understand, uh, apprehend, and grasp, believe in the good news of the gospel. Well, this has been a marvelous discussion. We thank you for joining us on Between the Times, and we hope you'll tune in again next time.